to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Good afternoon from a beautiful warm Houston, Texas, high above the Southwest Freeway, also known as Victoria South and also known as the Lloyd Benson Interstate here in Houston, Texas. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. As you may know, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and of course, iHeartRadio. If you know me or have listened to this podcast, you know my great affection and love for my mother, Virginia Bashaw. The older I get, the more I become like her in thought and deed. Mom's gone now, but I often remember what an optimist she was. Her own mother had died at childbirth. She was raised by her aunt and uncle. She lived through the Depression and a World War and the Korean War. And her husband, my dad, died at a very young, 42. And yet Mom always had a smile or a good word. I'd like to think I've inherited those traits. Last weekend, I was on a quail rig, which is my favorite thing to do, with a couple of my new friends. They're young, ambitious, fun to be with. It's fun to be around young people who have a purpose. And the wonderful thing about quail hunting is how genteel it is. That morning, it was 42 degrees, a little crisp, but frankly, a beautiful day in South Texas. The hunting dogs were excited to be working, and we just rolled along talking about whatever topic came to mind. At some point, a comment was made about making a mistake. I can't remember the context, but I said, boy, if you did that, your name would be Mud. And I started laughing and couldn't help but think about my mom. That was one of her favorite sayings. She'd say, Jeb, if you leave the icebox door open, your name is going to be Mud. Let me say what that translation meant. An icebox was a refrigerator. In the old days, the doors didn't shut very well. In fact, when they modernized refrigerators and fixed it, there became this incredible concern that small children would get caught in the refrigerator and be smothered. Funny the things we worried about back then. Strangers with candies and van and being killed in a refrigerator accident. Maybe that's why I'm still claustrophobic today and don't like to ride in vans. And I'm pretty sure it's why I'm not too worried about COVID, at least at this point. So as we rode around, I looked at this couple in their 30s and said, do you even know where that saying comes from? They were already on to something else, but politely asked, what saying? I said, your name will be Mud. They said, nope, never thought about it. I laughed again. What an old-timey thing for me to recall. I explained, do you know who killed Lincoln? They looked at each other and finally blurted out, was it John Wilkes Booth? I was waiting to hear Lee Harvey Oswald, but yes, I replied, it was John Wilkes Booth. And do you know what happened at John Wilkes Booth, I asked? No, they offered sheepishly. I explained, he was hunted down and shot. He later died, but before he did, he was treated by a doctor, Samuel Mudd. Samuel Mudd was a physician. He was later tried and imprisoned and narrowly escaped the death penalty by one vote and was later actually pardoned by President Andrew Johnson. Dr. Mudd was so hated by Lincoln loyalists for treating Lincoln's assassin that his last name became a colloquialism for doing something truly reprehensible, in which case it would be, if you do that, your name will be Mudd. So things do have a way of catching on and lasting. John Wilkes Booth died at the age of 27, 156 years ago, and we're still talking about his doctor, Dr. Mudd. 
My mother would drop pearls like that one on me all the time. As often said, I'm an inch deep and a mile wide. My mom was a great conversationalist, smart, well-read, and more than interesting, she was interested in people, in stories, and in life. Of course, as my mind wanders, I thought of other things that my mom was often using, sayings. Someone would say, Virginia, can you do this for me? And she'd say, well, the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I remember as a young boy living in Leesville, Louisiana, when my dad was at Fort Polk. We backed up to a forest area with a creek. I remember thinking, what would happen if that creek rose? Could we get to safety? Why is mom worried about that creek? When I brought my concerns to her attention, she smiled and said, it's just a saying, honey, it's not a creek like water. It's a creek like the Creek Indians. Thanks a lot. First I was worried about water and now Indians. Today they say on Wikipedia it was about the water, but I believe my mom. Wikipedia isn't as smart as my mom was. Other great terms mom would use included don't hang crepe. That was one of mine and her favorites. For a person who had lost her mom and dad and lived through a lot, mom was always cheerful. If I was down because a girl had broken up with me or a baseball game hadn't gone right or I had a bad grade, she'd smile and say, quit hanging crepe, it's going to be all right. You see, in the old days, when a family member passed, they would often have the deceased lie in the front room of the house. They would hang crepe cloth over the window to indicate a period of mourning had set in and friends and guests were welcome to come pay their respects. We lost my dad, my uncle, and my grandfather all in 15 months between 1970 and 1971. To say the least, we were hanging crepe a lot. Because my dad had died, we were probably what you would call lower middle class. We never wanted for anything, but things were probably always pretty structured from a budget standpoint. I remember watching mom pay bills each month. She would dutifully sit down at the dining room table with an adding machine, that's a calculator, by the way, and pay bills. There would be piles of paper everywhere, and this was long before online banking. She would write out all the bills with her beautiful penmanship that was common in that generation and stuff each envelope with the pay stub and check. Then she would let my brother and I put the stamps on the bills while she corrected her paycheck register. It was those little things that made an impression and she always paid herself first through a retirement deduction long before there was a 401k plan or IRAs. Mom was a saver. When I turned 15, Mom had saved enough and decided we needed to have a swimming pool. We were so excited. Mom called Blue Haven Pools here in Houston, and out they came to give us an estimate. You don't know the meaning of the word patience until you try and build a pool in Houston in the spring. It rains, it doesn't rain, it's too dry, it's too wet. It seemed to take forever. But it was finally finished, and we didn't care how cold that water was. We were going swimming. I'll never forget my mom standing there with a cigarette in one hand and a bourbon and water in the other, with a satisfied smile watching me and my friend Ivan Malachek swim in the pool. As I walked by to go to the restroom, she looked at me and said, Boy, we are in high cotton now. You see, Mom was born in 1927, and cotton was the main crop. In fact, the cotton exchange was in downtown Houston. A lot of the wealth before oil and gas was directly tied to cotton. Tall cotton was easier to pick and brought a higher price because the yield was so much better. I didn't know what she meant that day, but to see the smile on her face, I knew that something good had just happened. 
To this day, I use that term around my children. Believe me, we've had high cotton days and no cotton days, but it still brings a smile to my face. Another of my mom's favorite sayings was, he's got more money than Carter has liver pills. I was always fascinated by this. I was never sure why Carter's liver pills became a means of counting or indication of wealth. The Carter Liver Pill Company eventually became under attack by the Federal Trade Commission for false advertising and had to rename it to Carter's Little Pills. But needless to say, the term has stuck. I knew that someone had something in more than numbers than Carter's liver pills. They must have had a whole lot of them. It rarely referred to money. That was for another of Mom's sayings. When someone had a lot of money, and I mean a lot, she would say, he has more money than Ben Gump. Like a lot of things, I didn't know who Ben Gump was, but he must have had a lot of money. As it turns out, when I looked it up, it wasn't Ben, but Bim, B-I-M. Bim was a gullible millionaire who was always being taken in money-making schemes. This was part of a comic strip that started in 1917 about the Gump family and was widely followed because the Gump family had so many interesting characters, one of whom was Andy Gump. Andy invested in the stock market and lost all his money in the Depression and stock market crash. In 1917, people didn't have access to the stock market like they do today with Robin Hood and TD Ameritrade and Schwab and all the others. And so you can imagine how interesting this idea was to the people of the day that you could invest in stocks and even sadder when you lost all your money. Kind of funny that 104 years later, the traders of GameStop might be known today as the new Bim Gump family. Another opposite persuasion was to be cheap. One of my favorite sayings is when folks are out to dinner, there's always one fellow who always seems to disappear when the check comes. In my generation, we refer to that as having, quote, alligator arms. Anyone who's ever seen the front arms of an alligator knows what I'm talking about. If you had arms that short, you couldn't even reach into your pocket to grab your wallet. Well, Mom had a different saying. She would say, he's tighter than Dick's hat man. If you do some research, you'll find the term is used for several things. First, being monetarily tight. That's how Mom used it. Secondly, being queer or strange, as in a perverse way. And finally, the term tight, like locked down, either way. When Mom said he was tighter than Dick's hat man, she meant he wasn't very generous. Mom was always good about seizing opportunities, but she was also pretty calculating to make sure she got the most fun or the best deal. One of her sayings was, if I had my druthers, I never knew what druthers were, but I knew it was something like a choice. In fact, if you look up the etymology, it comes from Mark Twain, and it was a combination of I would rather. So if mom had two weekend invitations, she would say, let's say our choices were go to an Astros game, take me and my brother, or go to the beach, she'd say, if I had my druthers, I'd be at the beach. And I still smile today when I use that term. As I think about these things, I can't help but smile. The true test of a good saying is how long it lasts and how many times it's passed on. In a time when personal closeness and proximity is a low point due to COVID, people feel weird even hugging their children, it's a warm feeling to remember simpler times when a saying or a term could evoke such fondness and affection. It reminds me of my friend Robert Clay. When you ask him where something is from or where it comes from, he'll say, far and yon, which of course means far and yonder. Not many folks use the term yonder anymore, but always makes me smile when he says it.
you know, we live in interesting times, but we've lived in interesting times before and have come out just fine. That's what makes us Americans. I'm not too worried about us. I know that we are losing our personal touch, however, and that's what holds us together, not social media or the Internet. When my mom was young, everyone gathered around the radio on Sunday nights. When I was young, we gathered around the TV to watch Walter Cronkite or The Ed Sullivan Show. And when my kids were young, everyone gathered around their desktop computer. Today, I watch kids literally walking into poles staring at their handheld device. As the saying goes, if you want to decrease the noise, turn off the sound. Friends, thanks for sharing a few minutes listening to the ramblings of a middle old age man with an affection for the old ways. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, married to the best woman in the world, with the greatest kids in the world. But of all the things I'm thankful for, I have more friends than Carter has liver pills, and everyone listening to this is a friend of mine. Always remember as you get up in the morning to start your day, no matter where you are in life, that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. Make it a great day. I'm Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. <laughs>